Hello, curiosity seekers. Welcome to Dissecting Medical History. I'm Ange. I'm a travel nurse, medical history enthusiast, and your host. If you're looking for a storytelling formatted podcast with fun and fascinating topics on history and bios, then you are in the right spot. Please note this is not in any way medical advice. If you have anything that's ever discussed in any of the podcast episodes, please seek medical attention. Now, let's get this story started. Hello, my fellow curiosity seekers. I hope wherever you are in the world, you are enjoying life and remembering to tip your waiter. Today, I'm bringing you a rather happy story that I don't think many people know about. And to hear this story, I brought back my friend, Mel. Hello. Hello, Mel. Okay. I'm always giving sad tales. There's murder. There's baby killing. Lots of depressing stuff. I mean, medical history is not like a whole... I mean, there's, yeah, they have to have a lot of death before you can have a lot of happy, right? That's true. The story's not completely happy, but it's a happy story. It, I would say the gist of it, it has is. has a happy ending, maybe? It has a happy ending and perhaps a happy middle. Good. Okay. I like happy endings. But the beginning is not so happy. Okay. So, you already know, because I pre-screened you. <laughs> I'm doing a episode on Syndrome K. Okay, which you... I have not heard of before. Yeah, do you have any guesses? So my, I have two guesses. Okay. It either has something to do with vitamin K, so bleeding disorders, or potassium and which, heart arrhythmias or something. Very, that's because K represents potassium. Yeah. And for those who don't know, is that periodical table K, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. for those K who don't know potassium. that, and those who are in the medical field might not know that, but K does represent, so anytime like I'm writing down notes and, or like you're doing labs, you write down a K mm-hmm. because that's what potassium stands for. Yep. Like nobody writes out the word potassium. No, no way. I don't know any. I, I always know. put a K. I don't think I've ever right. written that word out. Yeah. I don't know anybody that would. <laughs> um, those are really good guesses. I'm probably way off, right? But but you're incorrect. <laughs> and I'll give you a hint, though. It, origi- it originates in Italy. It or- originates in Italy. You won't ever guess. Pasta. Oh, my gosh. Now, now I'm hungry. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> okay. I know yesterday, well, this is a side note. I was listening to NPR, which I do often. Mm-hmm. For those of you that don't know, that's national... Public, public radio yeah radio that's pretty unbiased it's pretty it's a pretty yeah, good show it's a that's why i listen to it. source of news yeah. yeah so but they were doing a stanley tucci thing he he's an actor mm-hmm. that's now doing netflix show about italy going to different regions in italy oh and, and talking about the food i love italy i cannot wait to go I, I wanted to do a food tour of Italy. That would be, that's my dream. Mm. That's my dream vacation. So he's going around the different regions of Italy and talking about different Italian foods. Nice. So I was listening to that yesterday and I was stuck in traffic in the 91 in LA. If anyone knows that, 91 is the worst. 
It's like five lanes, but for some reason it's still like the mm-hmm. worst freeway. It's like the 80 in Oakland. It's awful. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there in traffic listening to this guy talk about food. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, I want pasta hungry, so bad right now. You want to be home and you want to be eating. <laughs> Do you want to hear a really sad story? Yeah, but then he started talking about his cancer and then I was all. Oh, okay. okay that's I'm sad. This isn't that sad. So. My husband and I went to Italy for a honeymoon. So we kind of went all over. We went to Rome and Florence, the Amalfi Coast and Naples. And I was a vegetarian at the time. Uh, so there was a lot of stuff I didn't get to try. I eat meat now, so I have to go back and do a real food tour. I ate do- some really good pasta, some really good pizza that was vegetarian. But so I was a vegetarian while we were in Italy for two weeks. That's awful. I know. It's really sad. You should you should do the redo with me when I'm doing yes, the food tour. Yes. I need to go that back and fun. redo the food tour. My husband had some things that were that were probably really delicious that I didn't get to try. So and you were eating it in front of him. And yeah, and I was eating the pasta and pizza and stuff that I ate was really good. The gelato, of course. Oh. But but yeah. I had gelato every day when I was in oh, Spain. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. It's good stuff. Okay. Yeah, that would be great. You we should redo it. Yes. Okay. So, back to the story. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even gotten to the story yet. We haven't okay. even gotten that far. <laughs> so, Syndrome K. Okay. So, I got to give some background to the story first before we get into it. Okay. So, there was a man named Giovanni, of course. That sounds Italy. Italian. <laughs> His name was Giovanni Borromeo. Bor- he was born in 1898 in Rome. And he was the son of a very well-known physician. He was drafted into World War I, and he earned a bronze medal at 22. Hmm. He studied medicine at the University of Rome, and he got married to a woman named Maria, a very Italian name, and they had three children. Nice. A year later, well, a year after he got married, he was appointed as director to this hospital called Ospedel. (laughs) Hospital. <laughs> it starts with an O. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the name of the hospital is a very long word. Fate Benetti Fratelli. Hmm. Fate Ben Fratelli, which is a Catholic hospital on the island in the Tiber River in Rome. This hospital is extremely old, like 450 years old. Wow. And was being renovated. So I have to mention to all of the listeners that aren't in the United States, things that are that old are just fascinating to us because everything (laughs) in Europe is so old. But here, things from the 1950s were like, oh, my God, antiques. They're so old. (laughs) I know. So I find that super fascinating. That's that's funny that you mentioned antiques. Like from Texas, antique stores are like everywhere. Mm -hmm. And they're all stuff from the 50s and 60s. There's stuff now from like the 80s and 90s. And I'm like, I know. I feel old. But then but, you yeah. go over to Europe and there are things from like the, you know, 1200s and stuff right. like that. Right. That are, yeah. Yeah. That pretty were, amazing. We're around way before America was even. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. We're weird. We okay. are weird. So, so the hospital um, was extremely old. Like I said. <laughs> and, but it was being renovated in the 1920s. And so, okay. So more background into Europe at this time. So between 1941 and 1945 was the Holocaust. During this time, 
this is the sad part. Six million Jews were, were, were killed. Let me repeat. Six million Jewish so people, people from all over Europe were killed. That's two-thirds of the European Jewish, Jewish population were killed. Mm. Eight to 9,000 of those were Italian Jews. In 1943, the Italian fascist regime collapsed. The Nazi Germany forces had come and occupied Italy, which meant that the Italian Jews were about to face deportation to concentration camps. So they didn't have to worry about it from 41 to 43, but now these uh, Nazis were in Italy and they were no longer safe. Mm. And I, I don't know exactly, like, they weren't exactly being treated well anyway because yeah. I think some of the forces that were coming in were were influencing influencing some of the Italians. But at in nineteen forty three that's when uh they were starting to face that deportation. And it was in it was October sixteenth that they started raiding this Jewish ghetto in Rome. So October sixteenth, nineteen forty three. Now, Professor Barimio knew of the raid because in his basement of the hospital, he kept a very illegal radio transmitter and receiver to communicate with the local people. His hidden... Also... Also... <laughs> also hidden in plain sight was Dr. Vili... Oh my gosh... Villario Sacadotti. Sacadotti. Let's <laughs> put a little, t- little accent on there. A little accent there makes it sound better. Yeah. <laughs> he was a 20, he was a 28-year-old physician that lost his job because of his religion. And then working at, um, he was working at the Catholic hospital under false papers. Now, the professor felt... Now, I say professor, he was an MD as well, but he mm-hmm. was teaching. He felt he had to help the people. So with the permission of a priest, he was treating Jewish patients at this Catholic hospital. This was even before the raid in order to get them better care. Because like I said, once they took over, I think that they were just treating the Jews very poorly. Yeah. So he thought they could get better care at this Catholic hospital where they were tolerant of any religion. So you can imagine that this culture was pretty, pretty bad. So anyway, the idea of bringing Jews to the Catholic hospital didn't seem that strange um, at that point in order to stave off the raid. So the professor, Dr. Sakadotti, Sakadotti mm-hmm. and a Dr. Adriano Assassini came up with a brilliant plan. First, they invited any Jew who wanted to come to the hospital seeking refuge and they admitted they admitted them as a new patient mm-hmm. and then they were diagnosed with something called il morbo de k also known as syndrome k okay this is a fictitious disease oh. that was named after two deadly men the first was albert kessingler he was a german commander in charge of the roman nazi troops the other guy was Herbert Kapler. He was an SS chief of police. He was demanding 110 pounds of gold from the Jewish community, which he later said, because he was caught and tried, 
on um, war crimes, mm-hmm. that he was uh, doing it to help keep them out of the concentration camps. Mm, but I you know, doubt it. Yeah, it was a lie. He was responsible for a reprisal killing later that year, or well, late later. Not so. So this the raid was in 14, 1943. A year later, mm-hmm. he did this reprisal. There was uh, 335 civilians that were killed. Mm. Now, the reason for the reprisal was there was some resistance fighters that killed 33 of his men. So he was retaliating back. Okay, so enough about them. I'm sure that they had a good laugh naming this deadly disease after them, though. (laughs) So once these fake patients got their fake diagnosis... They were put into a room because because it was infectious. They could say they, they were all in one room, right? Right. They need to be all over the place right? to make it look real. So they became actors. They were told to cough violently if a Nazi soldier came <laughs> by. They were so. And so but before the soldiers entered, they were warned. There is a very highly contagious neurological illness being contained. Right now, Syndrome K. Mm. Symptoms include convulsions and paralysis. Wow. It could lead to disfiguration. This is genius. Right? And I think they even had makeup on them, too. Wow. And then, ultimately, they could die. So, the soldiers didn't even enter. They didn't want anything to do with that disease. In an interview with Dr. Skardadoti um, in 2004, he said the Nazis thought it was cancer or TB. And they fled like rabbits. (laughs) After the raid, they moved the fake patients to various safe houses. And they did not. And they continued. They did continue to take Jewish patients at the hospital. And they did keep up with the Syndrome K. Because you never knew when the Nazis were going to be back. Mm -hmm. So 1944, the Nazi soldiers did indeed come back. And this time, they didn't stay out. They came in and were inspecting the place. Again, they were doing, they were told to be actors and they were told to cough violently if the (laughs) soldiers came nearby. But the group was so efficient that their ruse worked. Nice. The only people that were arrested were Polish Jews that somehow were on the roof of this church. I mean, church, hospital. Hospital, yeah. It was suspected. It was a Catholic hospital. That makes sense. (laughs) It was, but no Jews were, were, it was, well, Polish Jews, but they were not Italian, but it was suspected that anywhere from 25 to 100 lives were saved from this fictitious deadly disease. That's awesome. Including the, one of the doctor's 10 year old cousins. Hmm. So the professor was recognized after, like way after he died of an award that's called the righteous among the nations. It's an honor used to describe non-Jews who risked their lives to save Jews during the Holocaust. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. It's too bad he didn't get it while he was, but some of yeah. the family from those who were saved were trying to get him this honor. Yeah. He was and still in, honored, even if he wasn't around right. to accept it. And in 2016, the hospital itself received an honor. I didn't know a building could receive yeah, an honor. I didn't know that either. <laughs> but it was called the House of Life, given to given by the International Raoul Wallenberg Foundation, 
which is an American organization dedicated to remembering and honoring acts of heroism during the Holocaust. So around this time, the building was being honored, which, like I said, was like 2016. Dr. Ashiasani, he was still alive. He was 96. Hmm. He said, the lesson my experience... uh, The lesson of my experience that... Oh, my God. Here I go again. (laughs) He said, the lesson of my experience was that we have to act not for the sake of self-interest, but for principles. Anything less is a shame. Nice. Which is really well said. Yeah, definitely. And it totally uh, relates to today. Yeah. Like, if you're not for the sake of... I mean, if you are for the sake of self-interest, mm-hmm. a.k.a. vaccine, mm-hmm. then you're... Anything else is a shame. Yeah, yeah. It's you, you know, it's and not to make us look bad, but in the United States, it's very much you know, individuality is really important, and you yes. know, they people really think that you should only look out for yourself and helping others yeah. is yeah. It's well, uh, exactly because like those people that have children and they get their children vaccinated so they go to school. They're not getting the vaccine. Not only are they, like, not, they're they're so self-absorbed. They're not thinking of their own children. Yeah, exactly. Not, yesterday I was at a craft fair and, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, I've mentioned before I have an autoimmune disorder. Mm-hmm. I have to be very careful. I wear masks and I try to stay distant. Well, these two old ladies got in my face. And most old people, I, sh- I shouldn't say that because my mother lives in a retirement community. And most of them, I can't say most of them are vaccinated. No. But these old ladies are talking to me. And all of a sudden, for some reason, they talk about, oh, because, well, anyway, it doesn't matter why they're talking to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they started getting, they were in my face. They they were like not even a foot, they were a foot oh from me. Oh, my God. And then they mentioned that they won't get the vaccine. Uh, that's so I was that's like, great. They're trying to like, kill great. you. They're actively <laughs> trying to kill you. That's so I'm like wonderful. trying to. St- I was trying to step further away. I, you know what? I'll, but they're deaf. So the more I was staying, stepping away, the closer they were trying oh to get. Oh my god! Because they couldn't hear what I was saying. They were what? And then uh, the other lady, the other lady was yelling at the other lady of what I said. So <laughs> I'm like. You two really need the vaccine. Yeah, seriously. So anyway. They're getting really close and spitting all over people. And I was trying to tell them the reasons and all the research that I had done on it. And they were just getting, they were getting closer. What? (laughs) I was like, oh my God, help me. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. Can't deal with. Let me tell you some more happy news. Well, I don't know. So by March 1945, 10,000 Jews were rounded up and sent to those camps, but only a thousand of them returned. Mm. Yeah, it's really sad. And after the war had, and this was after the war had ended. Mm-hmm. Um, after the war had ended too, those Polish Jews were let go because it was only a month later. <laughs> so wow. they. 
they survived. Wow. Um, it is a very dark time in our history. Yes, it but is. But it's nice to know that there are some little happy stories of courageous people out there doing things like that. And gives you, you a know, little bit of hope for humanity still. Yeah. So when we end up in civil war, when the orange guy comes into presidency in 2024. <laughs> I've already hope- looked into moving to New Zealand. So. Oh, my God. I'm with you. I'm, I'm either going to move or pretend and, like, be a safe house for people. Oh, there you go. There you go. So I'm going to be one of those two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right with you. Anyway, that was our Syndrome K story. I'm sorry it wasn't a real disease, but I, was that was cool an story. awesome story that I'd it's never good... heard that before. I'll have to t- ask my husband if he's heard of that before because he's really into World War II history and everything. So yeah. I'll have to see if he knows about that. It's such a small amount uh, collectively to, to save uh, out of thousands. Yeah. But it's something, but right? But it's something. Yeah. So. Saved some lives. So. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for being with me, Mel. Thank you and for having me. We'll catch you in the next. I hope I'm next... not too loud. You have to turn yeah. me down a little bit. <laughs> it's okay. I don't mind all the work. Uh... All right. Bye. Bye.